0: This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. This is St. Peter's Basilica, started in 1506 by the sitting Pope at the time, and it is one of the most renowned Renaissance pieces of architecture in our world, St. Peter's Basilica, Built and designed by the likes of Michelangelo, the world's top, top artist at the time. This, this is not only a building, it is a work of art. Thousands of people travel there, more than thousands of people travel there every year. It's something, it, it, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. So how did the institutional church pay for it? <laughs> how did they build this building? Turns out at the time... The Catholic Church went broke and so they had to come up with a plan. It's funny how beautiful things, works of art, can come about even if the plan is bad. The Catholic Church at the time and not not to, I guess not to pick on the Catholic Church because it was really the only church that existed in the West, so the institutional church at the time decided that in order to raise money they would sell indulgences. And an indulgence is, well, the quote goes like this, when the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. This was the idea. If you give us your money so that we can build our building, you can get some of your relatives out of purgatory. In fact, if you pay enough, you can get yourself out of purgatory. (laughs) And so, around this time, Martin Luther, the great reformer, the person who started the Protestant church, said, hold up a minute, that's not in the Bible. And they had some deep arguments about indulgences and then he noticed a few other things as well and he decided that there needed to be a change. Essentially, there was a revolt, he didn't want a reformation to happen, he just wanted the church to change but the church essentially split now the, the catholic church is no longer selling indulgences in fact the lutherans and the catholics meet every year and they discuss the things they have in common and there's a lot more in common than there is different so they're no longer doing this but it was a thing of the time <sighs> since the beginning of the institutional church there have been some terrible and wrong teachings on money <laughs> And this sort of financial, well, I believe at this point in time, in 1506, I think it was financial abuse, to be totally honest. And I think it's what Peter refers to when he wrote in, in 2 Peter, let me just find this for you, in 2 Peter 2, 1-3, to it says this, I'm going to read it, but it's on the screen, it's a little bit small, I apologise for that. But false prophets also rose among the people, just as there were false teachers among you. Who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed, and in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Heavy stuff. And I think St. Peter's Basilica. <laughs> It's funny, it's named after the guy who wrote those words. I think that's what Peter had in mind. So, with all, all of that, with that introduction in mind, <laughs> I'm here to speak about money. <laughs> about a month ago, the elders have requested that on this day, the, uh, that both, in both our services, we would talk about money. And as a pastor, that's a very difficult thing to do. So as Johnny said, we've been talking about it a lot. And because I'm just a little bit cheeky, I thought I would call this discussion we're going to have today, Reasons You Should Not Give to the Institutional Church. <laughs> so uh, some of you were panicking, it was like your first time and you're going, what's this? Oh, it's one of those, you know, it's one of those money churches. Don't worry, <laughs> you're all in for a treat. Our elders and board just had a heart attack over my sermon. Don't worry, elders and board, it's going to be okay. And because, as Johnny said, uh, I've been thinking about this for a very long time, a month, we've had so many discussions, I, 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 I didn't feel right getting up and doing one of my, I love being creative, I love the uh, creative sermon writing and the talks and all those sorts of things, but I thought I just can't get up in the integrity of myself and do some sort of fancy creative talk this morning. In fact, I wanted you to invite you into the discussion that people like me and Johnny have been having and I've been having with all my spiritual mentors I wanted to invite you into the discussion so this morning's not a sermon it's a discussion and I'm gonna sit here on this seat take a seat and we're gonna talk with each other and perhaps you want to continue the conversation as we leave the room uh, because these are important topics and they can so easily be skewed and they can be so easily get wrong even just in minor ways so I want to invite you into the discussion Uh In some sense, I am a theologian, I've been to Bible college, but it doesn't mean I have all the answers. There's people in the room right here who are older, wiser, smarter than me, and I'd love to continue the conversation with you, but this is where I'm at when it comes to the topic of money. Uh, Reasons you should not give to the institutional church. So shall we begin? I'm going to try to keep it as clear as I possibly can, I'm going to be talking about a lot of big topics and situations but the number one reason you should not give to the institutional church or one of the reasons you shouldn't is because you happen to think that God will prosper you. This is not a reason to give to the institutional church because you think or you have been taught that God will prosper you. I remember going to a big Christian conference, a really big Christian conference Uh, 30,000 people big Christian conference and at the start of the sessions there would often be an offering talk we don't usually do those in this church but in some churches they do an offering or money talk at the start of every every sermon uh, that is almost longer than the sermon itself and I remember going to this conference at this point in time I just moved to the coast I had about $500 in my bank account because I was working as a cleaner at the time tell you what, I only had $500 in my bank account but I was just as happy as I am now to be totally honest and I remember going to this conference and they got one of the speakers up to do the offering talk, the offering message and he got up and he talked about how in order to be, you know, in order to be blessed, in order to be prosperous, in order to, you know, receive what God has for you, you should give and the preacher at the time was a very enthusiastic and charismatic preacher who was getting up there doing this talk on the offering and uh, he even hinted what he was going to give in the offering and he hinted that he was going to give about two thousand dollars in the offering yeah I know crazy he hinted now I as a young person with $500 in my bank account thought oh my goodness this guy's gonna look he's gonna give that whoa and I my heart started beating and I felt like oh my goodness am I meant to am I meant to give in this my heart was beating And I was really panicked because the $500 was all I had. And so I was panicking, I was worried, I was stressed. I felt this immense pressure that I was meant to give because of this charismatic leader who was so uh, inspiring and talking about what he was going to do. And I had this immense pressure and I called my spiritual what i call my spiritual mentor or spiritual father at the time i walked out i was so stressed i was like what am i going to do and i called him and i said oh he's just done this talk and i feel so much pressure and i feel so much stress and i don't know what to do am i meant to give all my money and he just said not out of pressure or obligation and i thought oh yeah not out of pressure or obligation maybe this heart beating this stress is like pressure and obligation turns out speakers at that particular conference Earn $20,000 for their talk. (laughs) He was not going home with an empty bank account. He was going home $18,000 richer. Do you understand? I don't want to name or shame any preachers. So instead, I'm just going to show you pictures of what they own and the quote. So I'm not going to give you their face or their name. I'll just give you a picture of what they own. So, If you want to reap financially, you need to sow financially. The pastor who owns this house. Uh, Now, I'm talking about the institution of the church. So it's funny that these preachers talk about giving to God, but they're talking about their organisation. The pastor owns this jet, says. In the book of Acts, they sold property and gave it to the church. Prosperity followed. Nothing happens till we give God something to use. See how subtle it is? Because I believe the work of the kingdom requires finance. But the moment you twist it, the moment you start to talk about prosperity, what you can get, it's very subtle. Do you understand it's very subtle? Very subtle. In fact, we can have conversations over coffee and talk to each other about our own stories and accidentally buy into this without even knowing that we're doing it. So we have to be very, very, very careful. You should not give because you think that God will prosper you. You shouldn't give because you think God's going to pay you back with interest. That is not a reason you should give to the institutional church. Now, because we're in a conversation, I'm going to go into theological territory. It seems that giving is talked about in the New Testament, a very certain type of giving. Paul, the Apostle, takes up an offering for the church in Jerusalem who were going through famine. And he's talking to, not individuals, but he's talking to the institutional church in 2 Corinthians 9. And he's talking to the institutional church about the ways that the institution should spend their money. He's not speaking to individuals, he's speaking to the board and the elders and those things didn't exist in the New Testament but he's speaking to the people who have the opportunity to put money towards the Jerusalem appeal which was for people, for poor people in famine. And so he talks to, um, in 2 Corinthians 9, he's talking to the, the Corinthian church about what they pledged to give and he says this, So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you. So he sent some of his bouncers, some of his friends, you know, the big guys, you know, to go on ahead of you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised, as in this church had promised to give a certain amount of money to the Jerusalem Appeal. So I'm going to send the people to collect what you pledged to give, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. Now, I don't know if that's the correct English word, but the footnote in my Bible says, or a gift expecting something in return. So it would be ready as a willing gift, not as, not as, something, not as a gift expecting something in return. So you're not giving to these people in famine in Jerusalem expecting something in return. You're giving it as a willing gift. That's, that's the real meaning of, you know, of giving. He goes on to say, later in the passage, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. But Lewis, I thought you just said that you shouldn't give to get, you shouldn't get to have prosperity, you shouldn't give to be blessed. But it says it right there in, in and as I was preparing my sermon, I thought, oh no, I've got to get rid of my first point. Paul was one of these prosperity guys. But as I did more research and I did more study, and you can do your own research and study, that's why we're having a discussion, because I want you to go home and dig dig for the gold yourself. As I did my research and study, it would seem that what Paul is saying is that you as a church promise to give to the poor. So don't be stingy. And if you give, if you sow generously, if you give to those who are facing famine, you may reap generously. And I believe what Paul is saying in this instance is the Jerusalem church is currently going through famine and if you support them, maybe the broader church will support you when you go through famine. (laughs) Not to get a house or a jet, but (laughs) when you can't eat, maybe someone will feed you. Hmm. Let's pray for that. Let's pray for that. Yes, we're having a discussion, excellent. Absolutely. You've you've beat me to my next two scriptures. Ah, oh, you've beat me to it, Brian. You've beat me to it. You've beat me to it. Yes, what you reap, these words can be translated. This word generously, generously can be translated to the word blessing if you give if you sow with blessing you will reap with blessing but Jesus teaches us the definition of blessing all throughout the scriptures in Acts Paul quotes Jesus and says that it is more blessed to give than receive which means the act of giving is a blessing to yourself. Jesus also says in Luke blessed are the poor. If you want to reap blessing (laughs) well blessed are the poor. You want to live a blessed life. Well blessed to the poor. Thank you, Brian, for helping me get to my next point. I like this discussion. I love it. (laughs) Point two you should not give because you think God demands it. Now I'm going into interesting territory. And I apologize, and that's why this is a discussion. This is my this is Lewis, Pastor Lewis's, theologian Lewis's perspective on the Scriptures, and they did a study, uh, well, they they, uh, did a survey of pastors, and I'm in agreement with about 52% of pastors worldwide, as far as my position on this, so the majority, by a slim margin, (laughs) Uh, but I I believe it to be accurate. So, I I want to talk about this Um, one of the churches I attended. Uh, The pastors did not want to preach on, well actually they preached on money every week but they didn't want to do the specific giving sermon, you know like this is the giving sermon for the year and they didn't want to do the specific giving sermon and so instead they went on a holiday and they played a four-week video series from a pastor in America on giving. (laughs) This is just the institutional church, the joys of it. And in that video, I went and found the video and I remember being so shocked when this played on the video, but this is what the, video, the guy in the video said, I won't name or shame the past of it, if you don't tithe, that's an open door to demons because that's what the enemy does, he's a thief and you are allowing Satan to make you a thief and not only a thief but a thief from God, speaking on the topic of the tithe. Now, you may have heard sermons on the tithe and you may believe in the tithe. But really, theologians that truly, deeply, deep down believe in the tithe, believe in giving the, the first fruits because it already belongs to God. And if you don't give that to God, something which already belongs to God, then you must be stealing from God. And even though not all those preachers would say this sentence, it is implied so... It's, 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 it's so subtle. It is it's so subtle. I can't really explain the ways in which it's so subtle, but I listened to this as a young 18-year-old. And what do you, as a young 18-year-old who is trusting the people who stand on the platform and speak, what is meant to go through your mind when you read this? Or as any age in our room right now. I think this is a bit strong. <laughs> We're not going to play these... This sermon series at our church, you don't have to worry. Tithing. Martin Luther, the Reformer, obviously I grew up Lutheran, so a lot of my theology aligns with Martin Luther, so there's my um, bias. Martin Luther said, but the other commandments of Moses, the Gentiles do not hold. The Gentiles being, well, we're Gentiles because we're not Jewish, but also he's talking about the modern church, the new covenant, the people in the new, as the church comes together... Nor do these pertain to the Gentiles such as the tithe. A lot of theologians don't believe in the concept of the tithe in a New Testament, New Covenant church. Let me give you three quick points, which you're going to have to go home and research this for yourself, but I'm going to give you three quick reasons why the tithe doesn't really pertain to the New Testament as far as my theology and my study is concerned. Firstly, we're no longer under the Mosaic law. The tithe came under the law that the Jews were given under Moses the Mosaic Law. In fact, there wasn't just one tithe, there was multiple tithes. The Jews weren't just commanded to give 10%, they were commanded to give about 23 to 25%. There was multiple different tithes and they were all in the Jewish Law. So if you really believe in the tithe, you should not only be giving the 10%, but the 23 or the 25% if you really want to hold to that theology because that's the accurate truth of it. Secondly, they say that well, the tithe existed before the Mosaic Covenant because of Abraham and Jacob. Abraham and Jacob they tithed before the Mosaic Covenant came in. But these were two very specific incidents. They weren't like regular occurring, weren't regularly occurring. They were very specific incidents that God spoke to these two men at a specific point in time. It wasn't for all of the Jewish community or for the modern-day church. And thirdly, the tithe was given to the priests and the Levites. And who are the priests? What do we believe the priests are? We believe in the priesthood of all believers. That is outworked in the modern church because in the early church, they gave all they had and they gave it to each other. They gave everything they had to everyone in their community. I did see that hand, yes. 100%. 100%. It had nothing to do with money. It was about bringing grain, offerings, produce, things you grew. Exactly. It was about food. And what does our church love to do at the moment? <laughs> We're having a discussion, please. Don't worry, I'm getting there. <laughs> oh, there's reasons to give. I'm just giving you the reasons you shouldn't. <laughs> Tithe, now, so I don't particularly believe in the tithe, I actually don't think the word tithe should be used in the new modern church and my generation probably will get rid of it because I think it's antiquated and I think it's on rough theology and if you want to do the research for yourself because we're having a discussion, you can go to these two reputable organisations, Got Questions and the Gospel Coalition and you can read why I have come to this position in my theology and why I don't think that word should be used in the modern church. These are two very good, reputable organisations. So just go home and Google, you know, tithing, New Testament. And if you see these two organisations, you'll see a lot of other organisations. And listen, you know, do your own research. Do your own research too about the people writing those articles. It's also another wise thing to do. Uh, The Bible does talk about giving. Paul was very wise and he does talk about giving. In fact, he says this, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The tithe isn't in the New Testament. You can't find it. Some would argue Jesus talked about the tithe when he's getting angry at the Pharisees, but that was before the beginning of the New Covenant and also he's getting angry at the Pharisees. (laughs) Uh, But giving, generosity... Is flooded through the New Testament, flooded, flooded through our New Covenant. Generosity is so, so, so important, but it's not under pressure or obligation, or because you grew up knowing that you had to give 10%. It was out of uh, it's what you decided in your heart, and it was not reluctantly on the compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. It is more blessed to give than receive. So the question becomes, if you're not giving to get (laughs) and you're not giving because God commands it, why should we give? So why give to the institutional church? There is no clear systematic theology on giving to the institutional church in the New Testament. It's always different sometimes paul asks for money and sometimes paul gets a job earns his own money so that he can do his ministry do you understand the tension so i can pick and choose a scripture that talks about paul asking for money but i can also pick and choose a scripture that says where paul says i understand that you guys don't have any money so i'm going to get my own job and i'm going to keep doing my ministry There isn't a clear systematic approach that you can find and summarise in the New Testament. In the same way, what is the institutional church? We've created the institutional church, especially now in modern times, but it's very different to Paul's day. I mean, these days we have buildings so that people can gather together in the West, it would be weird for us all to sell our houses and live in a commune, although some Jehovah Witnesses, Closed Brethren, things like that do that sort of thing. But it's certainly a bit odd in our Western modern culture and so what is the issue and then we have our policies and procedures we have the ACNC there's lots of different things we need to do we need to make sure we're paying people the right award and fairly you know there's lots of different things that the institutional church didn't exist in the New Testament so how could we possibly compare it so why give why give to this institution Narara Valley Baptist Church with a board Registered by the ACNC, you can literally go look us up online and see how we spend our money. Why should you give to that? I think this is a church worthwhile giving to and being generous to. And I believe that because of what our church is like. On Friday night, our youth ministry was invited to an event, a big combined event at another church run by another institution, which is also registered with the ACNC. And they decided that they were gonna charge to enter this event, and it was gonna be $15. And we asked, does that include food? And they said no. And we asked, where does the money go? And they couldn't give us a very clear answer. So I got a little bit angry, and they reduced it to $10. (laughs) (laughs) On the topic of food, in our leaders meeting, you know, young people, we're talking, you know, my leaders, our youth leaders are young. We decided if they're not gonna feed them, we will. You understand? And so, here's us feeding people at the Youth Alive event here's a familiar face good to see dave thanks dave for helping with the barbecue here's some of our youth leaders here josh k he was really he really led the charge in the leaders meeting to make sure that we were going to do something about it all the generations serving together you know we had our year 12 student leaders helping serve uh all the generations it's good it's good it's good The reason I believe that you can safely give to this institutional church is because with all integrity to the best of our ability, we want to do the right thing with the money that we are given. We have a good board of very talented, smart, integrous individuals. We as a priesthood of believers vote on our budget every year to make sure the way that we use our money is safe and good. And we have good systems and procedures in place to make sure if you're ever worried about the way we're spending our money, you can do something. And you can say something. And it can be brought to our attention. Because we are a church that feeds people. Tonight, if you want a burger, you can pay what you feel, but if you can't pay, you can still have a burger. And when we have our potluck and you all bring your food and we share together, where else would you want to bring a. Please, someone bring brownies. <laughs> <laughs> this institution, I believe, and I mean, you can't take my word for it. You can go you can go home and you can look at our budget and you can type Nora Valley Baptist Church into the ACNC and you can you can call our um, you can call our chair of the board, you can call our reception during the week. We can we, we're very authentic, open, and I believe we're making good decisions when it comes to the finances of this church. Therefore, I believe that's the reason you should give. To the institutional church I just think you should do your research about which ones you give to because not all institutions are great but I believe this one is bit bias coming from me but I love this place do you it's funny that he's talking about pledging and this will be the most controversial thing I say and I'm sorry and uh, and uh, I might change my mind on this in five years, but this is what's been floating around my head. When you become a ministry partner at this church, you're essentially pledging to help, uh, to help the church in return for being able to vote on things like the budget and on pastoral changes. So part of becoming a ministry partner is we ask you to contribute financially because when you vote on things like the budget and the pastoral staff, things that involve money, It's good to have some, I don't know, it's good to have some skin in the game. It's a partnership. And I believe that if you are a ministry partner and you're not currently giving, I'd love you to consider what it could mean to uphold your side of the pledge like Paul is asking the Corinthian church to uphold theirs. Because when the vote for the budget comes around at the end of the year, I think it's important that you're not just voting on how the church spends its money Without perhaps having some skin in the game and contributing to that, but not out of pressure or obligation. But if, if you if you willingly made the choice to become a ministry partner so you could have a vote, what does it mean to uphold your your part in that? As I said, that's not a theological statement. It's just something that I've been thinking about when it comes to integrity and when it comes to what does it mean to up you know do what you say you will do. Let let you yes be yes and you know no be no. Let's end with this, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. This church is called to feed people and I think God is going to provide for us everything we need as an institution to abound in every good work that he has called us to. I genuinely believe that I genuinely believe that so we must pray that our church continues to act with integrity and generosity in all that we do that we would not worry about our provisions but that we would take joy in the daily bread that God graciously provides we must pray that we will not need to reduce our missional work or our missions giving The missional work and the missions giving that we do for this church is important and we must pray that God would allow us to continue to do that work because I believe in this church and if you do too, I'd love you to consider what it might mean to help us do what we are called to do. I believe that God will provide God may be asking you as one of the saints to help with that. Similarly, he might not. There is no pressure or obligation. But God does love a cheerful giver. And it is more blessed to give than to receive. And there is a lot of ways that you can give. And one of them is to our good and safe institution, Narara Valley Baptist Church. God, I pray that um, you would be with us as we ponder and we think. We pray that you would help us to do every good work you've set aside for our church to do. We pray that we would understand wisdom in giving and that we would give with wisdom, that we'd use wisdom to assess where we spend our money because it is wise to give. In fact, it is blessed. To give, would we be a generous church God would you be with our board and our elders as they make financial decisions I pray that you would continue to help them act with integrity and if they have any difficult decisions they need to make in the upcoming year that you would help them to do that with wisdom God we thank you and we praise you for the gift that you gave. God, you did not expect anything in return. And you didn't do it (laughs) because we were demanding it. God, you, you did it almost cheerfully. Thank you for your gift, God. Would we respond in the appropriate way? Amen This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9:30 a.m. and 5 p.m or on our website at www.nvbc.info.